This is the MyHeart.net podcast. This show is produced by Dr. Philip Johnson in conjunction with VitalEngine.com. Please welcome your host, Dr. Alain Bouchard of Cardiology Specialist of Birmingham, Alabama at St. Vincent's Medical Center, part of Ascension. Welcome to MyHeart.net series on primary prevention. Today, we'll be discussing lowering your cholesterol, a guide to preventing heart disease. And here's our excerpt with Dr. Martha Gulati, Director of Preventive Cardiology at Cedars-Sinai. Let's talk about cholesterol. Obviously, that, that's a big one. Uh, and knowing you know, when to treat, who to treat. So there's really, in the guidelines, there's really kind of a two categories of patient that we've got to start you know, treatment you know, right away. And then maybe we'll, we'll talk about the third overall population category, which is, you know, kind of using uh, the risk stratification of the guidelines, but really comes to mind first, the familial hypercholesterolemia. And then we'll talk about, you know, the high, high cholesterol and diabetes. So let's talk about FH, you know, for a while. I mean, I guess for us, you know, we see, uh, you know, patients with very, very high cholesterol, that's LDL greater than than 190, uh, we see the heterozygous one. The, the homozygous, I guess the pediatricians see those because they develop atherosclerosis in their teens. I mean, that is such an incredible risk factor, FH. Yeah, FH and that's familial hypercholesterolemia. And you know, this is a genetic disorder. And I wish, I actually wish that they were more identified in the pediatrician's office, but I don't actually think that's entirely true. I don't think that pediatricians are, are actually following the guidelines to check cholesterol the way that we recommend. And there are clear guidelines that every child should have their cholesterol checked at least once to know if they fall outside of this category. And certainly in those people with a family history of premature heart disease, but we don't see it happening. And we even see it when we identify an adult with FH and we tell them your children need to be screened. And then they'll come back and say, well, the pediatrician told me they don't need it. And so now we often all, I just give their children an order to get their cholesterol checked. And if it's fine, you know, okay, that's great, but at least they get it done. But yes, ideally that's where it would be identified. Um, and sorry, I got sidetracked. So now I forget what question you asked me about them, but um, go well, ahead, please ask me again. Well, we know that the, uh, you know, I think we miss those patients, you know, the, the, the patients with the familial hypercholesterolemia, you, you get someone admitted for one reason or another, and they draw some cholesterol and you get an LDL of 200 and they say, oh, your cholesterol is high. But you know, I think we miss those patients because the, yeah. the, the cardiovascular disease, it has such an impact, this high cholesterol. I mean, basically in, in men, it ages you 10 to 20 years. And in women, it ages a person 20 to 30 years. It gives you basically, if you're 20, it gives you a heart of a, a 40 or 50 year old. I mean, it's tremendously impacting. Yeah, and you know, this is where that, first of all, knowing your family history really helps us. Both did that first degree relative have heart disease, but how old were they? And you know, I told you having a male relative before the age of 55 and a female relative before 65, but I still wanna know even their age. I wanna know if they were really, really young in their twenties and thirties because it heightens 
our, at least our thought process. Could you have FH? FH is a genetic disorder. You may carry one of the genes or two of the genes. If you carry one of the genes, you're at high risk, but if you carry two of the genes, you're at very high, well, you're basically, you'll have heart disease. And so the, the one that carries the two bad genes, they're homozygous FH is what we call it. And they have these LDL cholesterols that are extremely high. And you're right, we often meet these very young people in the cath lab. Um, uh, and I, you know, I took care of a few of these because we, in our lipid clinic, <clears throat> I had a one 22 year old, he had already had four myocardial infarctions by that point. And, you know, it was a lifelong treatment since age 14. I think he was diagnosed, although he clearly had signs before that. And it, it's a really devastating disease, but yet a disease that we have so many great medications now to treat. Heterozygous FH is much more common. And this is where they ha usually have one bad gene that really does not help let them metabolize their LDL cholesterol normally. So usually the way, the easiest way is when they get a cholesterol checked, if they're a kid, we'll see their LDL be above 160. And that is not normal for children. And if they have an LDL above 190 when they're an adult, that is not normal. And that should heighten our awareness. But yet there's so many people walking around with those LDLs who have never been told that they have FH. And they don't know, how, just like that tells us not only their risk, but like we said, for their family, they should talk with their siblings, they should talk with their children, make sure their children have been screened. It doesn't matter how old those kids are, because sometimes they'll be identified even in their 40s and 50s, and their kids might be grown up. But it's important that they share this information, because they may have this genetic defect where they just have an abnormal LDL level. And yet, again, the point is, is we have so many new medications now. At one point, we didn't. We just really had, I'd say, essentially, statins and a few other drugs that didn't actually have outcome evidence. And even with statins alone, we couldn't get their LDL where we needed it to be. Now we have some pretty powerful medications and some new ones on the horizon that are, are hopefully going to change this. But the key is diagnosis. And, and if we don't know that you have it, and if somebody isn't addressing it or sending you to a lipid specialist, then, you know, we, we will always suffer from, you know, the lack of awareness killing you rather than something that we can do for you. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, this is the first category of patient that really need high intensity statin uh, no doubt about that. I mean, the evidence is there. A second group with high cholesterol um, are the diabetics. I mean, I think if you have, if you have diabetes and if you have uh, high cholesterol, it's like almost like you have coronary artery disease proven otherwise, and and they too require, you know, a, a high intensity statin. Um, I mean, evidence is everywhere that you decrease coronary events, you decrease stroke, you decrease. Uh, the need for PCI or, or coronary intervention. We could always consider the risk enhancers. Or how long have you had diabetes, you know, and, and so forth? Do you have proteinuria? Uh, you know, are you, how long have you been using insulin and so forth? So, I mean, that, no doubt about that. But now we have the overall population. And, and, um, and this is where I think, 
the ASCVD risk and the risk app in the calcium score can really help us uh, identify patients with sufficient risk to merit treatment, and particularly with a high likelihood of net benefit. Um, so, I mean, tell us about this, what the guidelines tell us. I mean, uh, you know, we have this, this patient population be between 40 and 75 years old, an LDL that is between 70 and 189, I guess, uh, you know, otherwise they're, they're FH. Uh, how do we classify or how do we treat these patients, Martha? Yeah, so if, like we said, the high-risk group, that let's clearly talk about statins first, and there, we want to get your LDL uh, lowered by at least 50%, but then now we've actually even instilled LDL goals and that, you know, if we're not getting your LDL under 70, then there's other medications to initiate. If you're that intermediate risk group or that borderline risk group, like we talked about or if you, you have a coronary calcium score that somehow moved your risk stratif stratified or those risk enhancers, if you weren't lucky enough to get a coronary calcium score, but you know you have plenty of those risk enhancers, you, you might be in that intermediate risk group. So we certainly at that point, if you're in the intermediate risk group, at least then you should have be on a moderate intensity statin. And we want to get your LDL lowered somewhere between 30 to 50% LDL reduction would be, it's actually a class one recommendation if you're in the intermediate risk group. So we should be doing that. And then if you're in that borderline risk group and you don't have additional risk enhancers, you may at least enter the discussion. Where do you fall? Should we, should we use a moderately intense statin therapy? It's certainly not wrong. Or maybe we do a coronary calcium score in that case. And just if there's no coronary artery calcium, maybe we hold off on medical therapy, but we keep a close follow-up on these risk factors. And every year you need to have your, your ASCVD risk score recalibrated uh, because of course we age and so our risk uh, goes up and our risk factors change over time. If you're low risk, you know, I don't think that there's a role for statin therapy in that group and there, but lifestyle needs to still be part of the therapy that we start talking about it, what's going to preserve you as low risk. It's not static. Nothing about our life, unfortunately, is static. We, as we age, some things get worse. Hypertension can, your blood pressure can get higher. It's part of your ASCVD risk. And again, that you know, that's something that sometimes can be lifestyle, but is also a part of our aging. Cholesterol can get worse, again, based on lifestyle and sometimes genetics and diabetes as well. So all those things enter your risk score. If they're changing, guess what? Your ASCVD risk score is changing. So it isn't a one and done type of deal. And uh, again, those risk enhancers may appear as well, like some things don't change, like your ethnicity obviously doesn't change, but whether you have kidney disease or not might change, whether you got pregnant and, and had some of these adverse pregnancy outcomes, whether you got diagnosed with those inflammatory conditions we talked about, or somebody did blood work and saw some markers that were elevated that they didn't do before. Again, that's why it's so important that this is an annual assessment. So low risk, less than 5%, you know, lifestyle, you know, healthy lifestyle, high risk, greater than 20% lifestyle and at least moderate intensity of statin. 
And this intermediate group, the borderline and intermediate uh, between the five and 20%, we try to maybe personalize it according to their risk enhancers or, or even the calcium score. Um, and um, because, you know, this is where you have to make the decision with the patient to go on. You know, obviously, you do the lifestyle, but do you go on a statin or not? And some patients have gone on a statin, but they've had side effects, they're, they're hurting all over. They're not so sure they want to take it. And this is where I think the calcium score, um, uh, you know, can really help. I, had a pa I have a patient, um, he's 63, very, very healthy. He was an incredible swimmer. His uh, blood pressure was a little bit high at 140. Uh, and uh, his cholesterol was also um, high uh, with an LDL of 140. But very, very healthy and had problem with the statin. You know, in the past, it was kind of hurting him. And I did a calcium score and ended up, uh, it measured at 182. And, and what's interesting is you can go in the app and you can look at your, obviously the calcium score helps you prevent your coronary event. Uh, and it can actually calculate the age of your coronary arteries. And, and I looked at him and I, I kind of looked at this and we went in the app together. And I said, despite the fact you're 63, because of your calcium score, is the you have the coronaries of an of someone who's 77 years old, and he didn't like that too much, you know, because he's a physician. I mean, he's 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 working out, he's healthy, but you know, he could see that really um, it, it it gave him a different perspective, and maybe an incentive, you know, to put up maybe with some of the aches and pain and, and start a statin. So I think it's important to have these discussions, you know, and these tools are very, very helpful to, um, you know, discuss and personalize medicine to, to each patient. It could have happened the other way as well. I mean, it could have been an intermediate risk and a calcium score of zero, where there would be really very little benefit, you know, for the statin. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, but statin do work. I mean, we have like several trials with primary prevention we have the mega trial, you know, with um, private statin. We have the AFSCAP, text caps. Seems like such a long time ago, <laughs> lobostatin. Uh, and then, and finally, the more recent one, Jupiter, and the use of rosuvastatin, truly showing not only a reduction of LDL of up to 50% with rosuvastatin, but your risk reduction up to 44%. Very dramatic. Well, this concludes our excerpt on lowering your cholesterol. Our next time, our next chapter, we'll be discussing targeting diabetes to protect your heart. To learn more from our team of cardiologists, please visit us at myheart.net. You can also follow us on social media by searching myheart.net on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next episode.